Welcome to Kingdom Testimony. Today is Friday, July 8th, 2022, and we're going to continue in the book Intramuros. We left off on chapter 5. The, uh, the, we have a verse at the first that says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Hebrews 1.14 And then we have a poem by Edmund Spencer. How oft do they their silver bowers leave to come to Sakuras that Sakura want? How oft do they with golden pinions cleave the flitting skies like flying purse of want? I don't know. Against foul fiends to aid us militant. They for us fight, they watch and duly ward, and their bright squadrons round about us plant, and all for love and nothing for reward. Oh, why should heavenly God to men have such regard? Okay. When I aroused from my sleep, it was in the gray light of earth's morning, and I was standing on the doorstep of the house in Kentville that my brother and I had left together some 36 hours before, reckoned by earth time. I shuddered a little with a strange chill when I saw where we were, and turned quickly to my brother Frank, who stood beside me. He put his arm about me, and with a reassuring smile said, For their sakes be brave and strong, and try to make them understand your blessed change. I did not try to answer, though I took heart and entered with him into the house. Everything was very quiet. No one seemed astir. My brother softly opened a door immediately to the right of the entrance and motioned me to enter. I did so, and he closed it behind me, remaining himself outside. Something stood in the center of the room, and I soon discovered that it was a pall. It was a great relief to me to see that it was not black, but a soft shade of gray. Someone was kneeling beside it, and as I slowly approached, I saw it was my dear son. He was kneeling upon one knee with his elbow resting on the other knee and his face buried in his hand. One arm was thrown about across the casket as though he were taking the last embrace of his little mother. I saw that the form within the casket lay as though peacefully sleeping and was clad in silver gray with soft white folds about the neck and breast. I was grateful that they had remembered my wishes so well. I put my arms about the neck of my darling son and drew his head gently against my breast, resting my cheek upon his bowed head. Then I whispered, Dearest, I am here beside you, living, breathing, strong and well. Will you not turn to me instead of to that lifeless form in the casket? It is only the worn-out tenement. I am your living mother. He lifted his head as though listening. Then, laying his head tenderly against the white face in the casket, he whispered, Poor dear little mother, and again dropped his face into both hands while his form shook with convulsive sobs. As I strove to comfort him, the door opened and his lovely girl wife entered. I turned to meet her as she came slowly towards us. Midway in the room we met, and taking both her hands tenderly in mine, I whispered, Comfort him, darling girl, as only you can. He needs human love. 
She paused a moment irresolutely, looking directly into my eyes, then passed on and knelt beside him, laying her upturned face against his shoulder. I saw his arm steal around her and draw her closely to him. Then I passed from the room, feeling comforted that they were together. Outside the door, I paused an instant, then slowly ascending the stairs, I entered the once familiar room whose door was standing ajar. All remained as when I had left it, save that no still form lay upon the white bed. As I expected, I found my precious husband in this room. He sat near the bay window, his arm resting upon the table, and his eyes bent sorrowfully upon the floor. My heart's best friend sat near him and seemed trying to comfort him. When I entered the room, our brother Frank arose from a chair close beside him and passed out with a sympathetic look at me. I went at once to my dear husband, put my arms about him and whispered, Darling, darling, I am here. He stirred restlessly without changing his position. Virginia said, as though continuing a conversation, I am sure she would say you left nothing undone that could possibly be done for her. She is right, I whispered. Still, she was alone at the last, he said. He moaned. Yes, dear, but who could know it was the last? She sank so suddenly under the pain. What can I say to comfort you? Oh, Will, come home with us. She would want you to, I am sure. He shook his head sadly while the tears were in his eyes as he said, Work is my only salvation. I must go back in a very few days. She said no more and he leaned back wearily in his easy chair. I crept more closely to him and suddenly his arms closed about me. I whispered, there, dear, do you not see that I am really with you? He was very still and the room was very quiet but for the ticking of my little clock still standing upon the dressing case. Presently I knew by his regular breathing that he had found a short respite from his sorrow. I slipped gently from his arms and went to my friend kneeling beside her and folding my arms about her. Virginia, Virginia, you know I'm not dead. Why do you grieve? She looked over at the worn face of the man before her then dropped her face into her hand, whispering as though she had heard me and would answer. Oh, Bertha, darling, how could you leave him? I am here, dearest. Do you realize that I am here? She did not heed me, but sat absorbed in sorrowful thought. <clears throat> I'm not sure why they, I'm, I'm interjecting here. I'm not sure why she said, oh, Bertha, because the book is written by Rebecca. Let's go on. A few minutes later, a stranger entered the room and in a low voice said something about its being near train time and brought my husband his hat. He arose and gave his arm to Virginia and our son and his wife meeting them at the door, they started to descend the stairs. Just then my husband paused and cast one sorrowful glance around the room, his face white with pain. Our dear daughter stepped quickly to him and placing both arms about his neck drew his face down to hers. Parentheses, God bless her in all things, I softly prayed. In instant they stood thus, then stifling his emotion, they all passed down the stairs into the room I had first entered. 
I kept very close to my dear husband and never for a single instant left him through all the solemn and impressive services, through the sad journey to our old home, the last rites at the grave, the after meeting with friends, and his final return to the weary routine of labor. How thankful I was that I had been permitted to taste during that wonderful day in heaven, the joys of the blessed life. How else could I ever have passed calmly through these trying scenes and witnessed the sorrow of those so dear to my heart? I recognized the wisdom and mercy of the Father in having so ordered it. I soon found that my husband was right. Work was his great refuge. During the day, the routine of labor kept brain and hands busy, leaving the heart but little opportunity to indulge its sorrow. Night was his trying time. Kind friends would stay with him till bedtime after that he was alone. He would turn restlessly on his pillow and often arise and go into the adjoining room that had formerly been mine and gaze upon the vacant bed with tearful eyes. It took all my powers to in any degree soothe and quiet him. After a time, my brother Frank and I arranged to spend alternate nights with him, that he might never be alone, and especially were we with him upon his journeys. We found to our great joy that our influence over him was hourly growing stronger, and we were able to guide and help him in many ways. One night as I was silently watching beside him while he slept, many months after he was alone, I became conscious that, conscious that evil threatened him. He was sleeping very peacefully, and I knew his dreams were happy ones by the smile upon his dear face. I passed into the hall of the hotel where he was staying and found it dense with smoke. I hastened back to him and called and tried to shake him, but he slept on peacefully. Then I called with all my strength, Will, close to his ear. Instantly, he started up and said, Yes, dear, I am coming, just as he used to do when I called at night. Then in a moment he sank back with a sigh upon his pillow, murmuring, What a vivid dream! I never heard her voice more distinctly in life. Will, I called again, pulling him by the hand with all my strength. Rise quickly, your life is in danger. In an instant he was out of bed, upon his feet, and hurriedly drawing on his clothes. I am sure I cannot tell why I am doing this, he muttered to himself. I only feel that I must. That surely was her voice I heard. Hurry, hurry, I urged. He opened the door and met not only the smoke, but tongues of flame. Do not try the stairway, come. And I drew him past the stairway and through a narrow entrance to a second hall beyond and down a second flight of stairs filled with smoke, but as yet no flame. Another flight still below these, then into the open air, where he staggered, faint and exhausted, onto the sidewalk and was quickly helped by friends into a place of safety. I am sure I cannot tell what wakened me, he afterwards said to a friend. I dreamed I heard my wife calling me, and before I knew it, I was dressing myself. You did hear her, I have no doubt, she said. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to do service for the sake of them that shall inherit salvation? What lovelier service could she do than to thus save the life of one so dear to her, whose earth work was not yet done? Yes, you did hear her call you in time to escape. Thank God for such ministrations. 
Yes, it must be so, he answered with a happy look. Thank God indeed. After this he yielded much more readily to our influence, and thus began to enjoy, while yet upon earth, the reunion that so surely awaited us in the blessed life. I often went also to the home of our dear children, but there was so much to make them happy that they did not need me as their father did. Sometimes in hours of great physical prostration, especially during the absence of his wife, I found that I could quiet the overwrought nerves of my dear son and lead his tired mind to restful thoughts. But with youth and strength and love to support him, the time had not yet come when my ministrations were essential. That's the end of chapter 5. That's very interesting. Um, very interesting indeed. So whatever you make of that, <laughs> that is up to you. Um, there is a verse in the Bible, well, the one that they quoted, uh, Hebrews 1.14. Let me pull that up. So Hebrews 1.14, let's start at 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now as we know from the Old and New Testament, angels is someone who brings tidings, a messenger, especially an angel. So there are, in the Old Testament, there were the, the bronzed uh, man-looking people, beings, that were either angels or they were of the cloud of witnesses. I mean, we're not exactly sure where or who these were. Um, because their, their skin was so bronzed, burnished bronzed, like almost copper, um, it is believed that they come from the very throne area because how can you get that close to God unless you are completely refined in the fire. Um, but angels aren't described <clears throat> excuse me, as these bronzed beings. And when, when people see angels on earth, they don't look like that. And the Bible doesn't describe angels in that manner. So and I'm just trying to trying to work this out in my mind. Um, I'm not trying to make it fit to scripture because I certainly don't want to read anything that does not line up with scripture. So I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> when my brother passed away, and that was in 1994, um, I come from a really large family. I'm the youngest of nine kids. My oldest sister was particularly close to this brother. He was older than me, of course. Um, 
he moved away before I was even like a teenager, I'm thinking. I just didn't see him much. And when he passed away, he came to visit her, she felt. She was in her kitchen doing dishes in southern Minnesota, where she lived. And she told me she was just overcome with sorrow. She was crying and but still trying to do her chores doing dishes you know she had kids and and she said she felt someone come up behind her and i suppose it would feel like a hug that you can't feel and she said she felt this and i i you know we probably all know of somebody or it has maybe happened to you. It's never happened to me. Although there was one time where my other brother had passed away and I was close to that brother. I saw him a lot. Um, and his name, nickname, it was not his name. His nickname was Rooster Charlie. I don't know where he, when you, when you grow up in a really big family, there's a lot of teasing. There wasn't my family. And everybody had a nickname, and his nickname, for some reason, was Rooster Charlie. Um, <clears throat> it could be because he always had like this, he had dark hair and this Dennis the Menace thing that stuck up, stuck up in the back when he was little. But I was, I f he had passed away um, in 2010, and a few years after that, you know, and, and I was, I was really, I was really distraught about it, of course, you know, I mean, I was really close to him. It was a, it was pretty sudden, you know, uh, aggressive cancer. And one night I, I was thinking about him quite a bit, you know, and I would, as we do when we're close to somebody, you know, I would be like, well, Rooster Charlie, I, I mean, his name actually was Blaine, but I'd say, well, Blaine, you know, what do you think about what's going on, you know? Because I used to share a lot of, we'd share a lot of our life troubles with each other. <clears throat> and as I was, it was either as I was falling asleep or as I was waking up, I was looking at, I suppose you could call it a vision. <clears throat> it wasn't part of a dream, but as I think it was as I was waking up, because it was daylight, I, I was looking at, a rooster. <laughs> I was looking at the face of a rooster and I could see it very clearly and it had white feathers and I wrote it in my notebook. I described this thing. And um, and then I, I just kind of opened my eyes and I'm like, what well, looking at what's this rooster, you know? And um, I don't remember everything about it, but it just instantly made me think of my brother you know and so I started talking to the Lord about that you know do we get the oh privilege I guess you could say of um, of our deceased loved ones coming to visit visit us you know the ones who have gone on to that blessed shore you know, um, I, I don't know. So many people have had that experience that 
I don't know. And and the author of this book likens it to Hebrews 1.14, where in verse 13 it says it was an angel, but, you know, in the Greek, the word angel is a messenger. And I want to look up something, too. So that's G32, and let's go to the Blue Letter Bible. I want to point something out. Um, so let's type in G32. And then it'll give you Strong's. It'll give you, for the New Testament, it'll give you Thayer. But it'll also give you Vines as a dictionary aid. The Vines Expository Dictionary. So I'm going to look at the entry on that. And the very first thing it says, now Vines is... Uh, more thorough, I would say, than Strong's. It says a messenger to deliver a message from the word angelo. That's where you get angel. So it's only, they're only called an angel because it's the Greek angelo. Angelo. Is angel even in the Old Testament? Maybe it's not sent whether by God or by man or by Satan is also used of a guardian or representative superior to man belonging to heaven engaged in God's service angels are spirits Hebrews 1:14 they have not material bodies as men have they are either human in form or can assume the human form when necessary. Mark 8.38, they're called holy and elect. Okay, this could be people. In contrast with some of their original number who sinned, left their proper habitation. Um, they're always spoken of in the masculine gender. The feminine form of the word does not occur. Luke 20.36, note, equal to the angels. Do we need to look at Luke 20, 36? I think we do. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels. Okay. Um, let's look at this. Luke 20, 34. And Jesus answering said unto him, because they asked, um, you know, whose wife would so-and-so be in the resurrection? <clears throat> Jesus answering the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world, the world of the resurrection, and the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now I want to look at something from Luke 20:36, where it says they are equal unto the angels is Greek G2465. Sorry about the rabbit hole, but here we go. Strong's Isangelos, like an angel. Okay. Dictionary aid. Nothing in the vines, but it does have a reference, theological dictionary, that doesn't tell us anything. So, but they are like an angel, 
They are like a messenger. So take that for what for what you want. Um, I don't want this to go on too too long because I'm doing two of these a week. But there you have it. We're going to leave it there. And I pray you have a blessed day.